Well, hey, Riverbend, it's Andrew. I hope you're having a phenomenal Sunday morning. Man, we miss you. We miss seeing you face to face. It certainly isn't how we planned our March and April to go, but um, we are really seeing this as an opportunity uh, to gather in some creative ways and to worship Jesus and to learn the way of Jesus in some unique ways. And I hope that you've really experienced the hope and the peace of Jesus come over you because we've been praying for you every single day throughout this whole crisis. And we really hope that this uh, this podcast um, meets you in a really great place. We hope that you are both well um, physically, but also just thriving spiritually. So we have all kinds of resources that we're hoping to just continue to send your way so that as you're self-quarantined and as you are like with your family, um, you have additional ways to grow in your discipleship to Jesus. But today, this is yet another sort of living room liturgy, as we like to call it around here, um, where we come together and we pray through some like liturgical prayers uh, and then respond uh, by learning the scriptures and worshiping and coming around the bread and the cup. In theory, we're doing this all together at 10 a.m., um, in our respective living rooms. So um, th that's the dream, that's the hope. So um, so yeah, right now we're, we're having to practice social distancing, but that doesn't mean that we're isolated. Please reach out to the people in your Riverbend community. Please reach out to people in, in your life, your, your family members, your extended family, um, and be radically present with them um, in, in these moments. We have to get creative with that, um, but we also want to encourage you, you are not alone. And if the church can serve you in any way, we'd love to do that. So we are going to have a teaching from the scriptures. Um, fortunately for me, um, we are having a conversation today. So um, much like we have the last couple of weeks, um, rather than hearing a sermon, a teaching, just sort of a um, just me talking in the front of the room. We're having a collaborative conversation around the scriptures, and I've invited some friends to be a part of that conversation. I'm super excited for you to connect with them and to hear their voice, to hear how God has given them wisdom and discernment, and then also just to have them speak the truth over you. So I've got three people in the room here with me. Really excited to introduce you to them. Um, first, we have Billy. Billy, hey, man. Hi there. How's hey. it going? Yeah, so good, yeah. man. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining the conversation. Here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, along with your wife, Brooke, you lead Riverbend Youth, right? So yeah, we do. That yeah. is so cool. So thank you um, for stepping up to the plate and leading a really critical ministry here at the church. So I'd love for you to just like tell us a little bit about your heart for Riverbend Youth. What's Riverbend Youth about? And, um, and yeah, what's your vision for that? Um, our heart for Riverbend Youth is to um, see the value in every young person and activate them into the kingdom. So it's getting them after Jesus, getting them doing what Jesus did, living that way, the practical application of their faith. Um, well, the little saying that we've had um, around is that there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no yeah. lesser version of Christ living in young people, and they have the exact same access and freedom and power that we have, and we just want to get them understanding that and then walking in it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. so great. So you guys are also on a temporary hiatus. We are on a temporary social distancing. In effect. <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm, uh, well, I'm glad that you're observing that. You also are a nurse um, at um, uh, over at St. Charles. Yep. I work in uh, St. Charles Redmond. It's an interesting time to be a nurse, but oh um, it's also really good. Yeah, wow. Well, th again, is, um, I have so much gratitude for you mm -hmm. for not only serving our church family, which you do so faithfully, uh, serving the, the teenagers and, and families in our church, but you also are serving our broader community, stepping into a really sort of a dangerous situation every single day to serve um, our community. So thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure to do so. Awesome. Well, you, you're also joined, of course, by your wife, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hello. Hey, How are you? I'm great. <laughs> Thrilled also that you're here. So you are, of course, partnered with Billy and leading Riverbend Youth, but you're also a Bible teacher. I am. Yes. Yeah, so. I am a high school Bible teacher at Central Christian School in Redmond. Yes. Come on. Mm -hmm. What an amazing job. I think that there's very few people who I actually envy their jobs because I get to do what I love, but that is something that I would so enjoy spending day in, day out with teenagers teaching the scriptures. That's amazing. Yes, it is. I'm missing my students a lot oh my right now. Gosh, yeah, absolutely. So are, is there ways that you guys are communicating with and sort of giving lesson plans to, um, to your students? Yeah, we are doing 
teaching online. Nice. Okay. All <laughs> online. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Okay. You're, you're making it happen. Yep. Um, and you're also like in the middle of your MDiv program, correct? I am. So for people who don't um, uh, know what seminary is all about, um, the sort of the biggest, greatest, most amazing master's degree that you can get is an MDiv. <laughs> oh, <wow>. And Brooke <laughs> is right in the middle of it. Uh, what are, you, are you taking any like fun Greek or Hebrew right now? Or what, what are you taking? I'm doing an Old Testament exegesis class right now, oh, which on. is based off of my Hebrew class that I oh, took recently. So, so yeah. I'm yeah. jealous and I'm also super proud to know you. I'm glad, <laughs> we're, I'm glad we're friends. This is awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, hopefully a lot of that is going to like like feed into this conversation today. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to it. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah. And Haley's also here. Hi, hello, Haley. hello. Hey, thrilled you're here too. You're also one of the volunteer leaders at Riverman Youth. Yes, that's great. Yes. And um, so talk, talk to us about that. Like, what do you love most about um, being a, like a Riverbend youth leader? Yeah, um, so many things. I think one, like I love, I love being a part of a team. So like having oh, yeah. these two yeah. and um, the other three people that we have on our team, um, it's just, it's amazing. One, mm-hmm. like to just have great community, but also to learn more about Jesus just from other people. Um, And then the kids we have, we are a strong (laughs) but mighty, (laughs) mighty little crew. Um, And so it's just been really fun, even within the the last couple months that we've had the kids we have to see them Mm. become more comfortable, to step into things that might seem scary. and just to do all the gross things that youth group does, like <laughs> weird games, yeah, Vaseline yeah. on your face, oh. one of Brooke's favorites. Oh. Um, yeah, it's it's a super joy to be a part of the team. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much. You guys inspire me by what you do. I had my first job ever uh, in the church was I was a youth pastor and absolutely loved it. In fact, in some cases, I really miss it. So I might have to mm-hmm. join you on Sunday evenings once we get back. Yeah, sounds fun. Well, you guys, today is an important day because we're going to go line by line through Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 7 through 13. This is our heartbeat and passion is to just learn the way of Jesus, to learn the truth of God, and then to live it. We want to be the ones that Jesus talked about being wise, the ones who like put into practice the things that Jesus taught, uh, taught us. So um, what we're going to do first is we're just going to have a conversation. We're just going to like read through the scripture and talk about it. What does it mean? What do these words mean? What's it saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of that Greek might come out uh, <laughs> yeah. from Brooke across the table here. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll talk about how we live this stuff together. So um, a little bit of background, if you're just joining us in this conversation in Ephesians, this is all about sort of uh, to use a big uh, Bible word, cosmic reconciliation, where in Christ, God is bringing all things together in heaven and on earth. That's God's end game. And that's sort of the story that we're living into. Jesus has already sort of set the stage for that by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. So he has this like amazing, incredible victory that we are now living into. So the story of Ephesians is about living into that unfolding drama, that that the end is coming. We know what it is. Jesus is returning and setting up his kingdom here on the earth. And we get to play an integral role in that unfolding story. So that sort of sets the stage for today. And then we're going to like go into further detail on that as we launch in. But first, uh, we're going to read the passage. Uh, but before we do that, let's let's pray. So Brooke, would you mind leading us in prayer? Of course. Thanks. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, that you are good and that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us through your word. And so I pray right now, God, that our ears would be open to hear what your spirit is saying to us would you reveal more of who you are? Um, I pray for every person that is listening, God, that they would just encounter your presence, Lord, mm-hmm. yeah. that you would make yourself known. And we just say, uh, we are your servants. Speak to us, Lord, about who you are in your name. Amen. 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 All right, let's read this passage. Billy, would you mind reading yeah. verses 7 through 13? <clears throat> Starting verse uh, 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. 
His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Wow, that's so good. Uh, man, I hope we can get to all of it, but I'm not sure what we'll get to. But let's start up at verse 7 and just sort of work through this line by line together. So verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now, last week we talked about how Paul revealed himself as like a prisoner. He's a prisoner of the Lord. Now he's self-identifying as a servant of the gospel. He's like almost wearing it like a badge of honor. So could, mm-hmm. talk to me about that, you guys. It just seems very paradoxical, right? But what is that all about for you? I just, knowing the Greek behind yeah, yeah, the yeah, word yeah, totally. servant, um, is it's that word diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon. And considering the fact that the early apostles chose deacons to do the daily work of ministry to feed the people to meet their needs Um, for paul to say i get to meet your daily needs by serving you the gospel um, is an incredible and humbling Mm. position to Mm -hmm. be given and he sees that as a gift Mm. to be able to serve them with Mm. really what is their greatest need right and knowing, too, that that's also something that we get to do right. is go and be his hands and feet and serve others right. and bring them truth and life. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I love that you said that, and I love that you quoted that Greek term, the di- diakonos, and that's where we get the word deacon in the church, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And what's really interesting to me about that is this is probably the only institution or organization in the history of the world that actually considers a, the, the servant as like an office of the church. Yeah. Right? It's like it's, yeah. it's an office. It's actually a title mm-hmm. that is given to people who are um, like leaders. And it's like this is one of the things that I've said ever since we planted the church is that um, leadership in the kingdom of God is totally backwards mm-hmm. from what we would just sort of assume in, in the world. World. And so, um, so when I ask people to to jump on the leadership team and to be a part of the leadership team here, it's kind of like, well, gotcha. It's all about servanthood. It's all about giving. Uh, it's all about what Paul's talking about here. It's about um, uh, through the working of God's power, serving and caring for the practical needs of the people around us. Right. So yeah, talk to you, talk to me about that, you guys. Like maybe maybe it's just like someone in your life or someone that you greatly admire as a like who is genuinely a servant. Um, but um, what does this look like in like the like the brass tacks, the the real life of the church? What does it look like to become like a, the greatest servant? I initially just think like how Paul can refer to it as a, a gift of God's grace or yes. something that's to be valued because Jesus is the archetype of, of a servant. He he even himself said, yeah. the Son of Man came not to serve, but to be served. Right. Um, or, but to serve. So right. he he's, he's demonstrating the attitude that I am, arguably, I'm the incarnate God before <laughs> you all, and right. his position was to say, I'm not here to be served and take the position which I could have, which it's actually to to give my position away mm-hmm. and to give it away to people. And mm-hmm. even in, in Passover, mm-hmm. you know, he, I love that imagery mm-hmm. when he says, um, I'm going to show you in the greatest way. And that's when he strips off his outer robe mm-hmm. and wraps the towel to begin mm-hmm. the foot washing, which mm-hmm. is just such a huge uh, imagery that, that really conjures up what it would be like to wash someone's feet who live in a desert and wear sandals. You can imagine imagine that. And to me, that always just spoke to, that's what it means to be the greatest of servant. It's it's not a position to go after. Right. It's not about power. It's yeah. not about how many likes we get yes. or yeah. the number of views we get to click. Sure. It, it yeah. really becomes that, that moment you meet somebody's need mm. and you give your position away. That is the greatest servant. Mm. Wow, that's so good. And I love too, just how in this verse, how he ends with it through the working of his power that like his position in service, like is of his own, like it's not his own doing, but Mm -hmm. it is like through God's working power that he was one given this gift to be able to serve people, but also that like, that's the gas and the oil that like keeps that servanthood going. Um, So I think that's like good motivation for all of us to like in service, 
right. that like it's really not about us at all right. but like yeah. thank you jesus that you keep this tank running right, right. oh my word i'm okay. so mm-hmm. grateful you make that point because you're right and i think there have been i've been guilty of this a uh, number of times i don't know if you guys can relate to this maybe you've matured past this i don't know <laughs> but i feel like i w- can click into that gear of serving god and serving others out of my own strength or just mm-hmm. sort of out of my yeah. own will and drive and determination and then i wind up so exhausted and tired yeah. and used up you know yeah and and i'm and you guys are nodding along like you you understand like what this is about and i feel like daily. that's <laughs> I mean, like daily yeah. that was yesterday yeah, totally and um it, i love the analogy you use about like god is the yeah. is like providing the gas and the oil mm-hmm. to keep things going it's like in yeah. theory if we're connected to the power of god the gift of god and we're actually not being used up we're actually being it's like actually a life-giving experience to right. serve and you can see that that's the sort of the countenance that paul has here he's like right. he's able to say that it's a it's a gift from god um because he actually sees it as something that's life-giving and refueling as opposed to something that is like um, like draining him, which mm-hmm. is so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we have to talk about here too, because it's sort of connected to the previous passage that we talked about last week, that this is the, like the gift of God's grace. So Paul is um, unique. He, like, he's an apostle, right? And he gets into a little bit of that here in the verses that follow. But he's like this um, anointed leader, starting churches from scratch. When he rolls into town, no one's ever been heard of Jesus by the right. time he leaves there's like church <laughs> and like leaders and elders and then like this thing it's like uh, it's unreal and he's uh healing people he's prophetically speaking God's truth over them so uh, this like this incredible anointing so there's a lot of let's let's call it authority and privilege that mm-hmm. comes uh with Paul's gifting but again he's seeing it as service to others he's like he's not expl- it's not an exploitative authority or privilege right. yeah. he's actually use- he's actually giving away his authority and privilege in order to bless other people and i think that that's mm-hmm. a conversation that needs to be had in the church today right yeah mm-hmm. because yeah. we we like we like roles in which we get esteemed and we get yeah. um put on a pedestal and right. things like that but really like you were pointing out billy like the way of Jesus is the way of like down, like uh, I think Henry Nowen calls it downward mobility to the cross. Like unless we're willing to like give our lives, you know? So man, that's a really, a really powerful concept, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep rolling to verse eight because there's so much more. Um, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. To preach the to, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Okay, so I'll, talk to me about that verse. So Paul is again. This is sort of autobiographical, right? So what's sort of sticking out to you about Paul's attitude and sort of the story that he's telling here? I think for me, um, the thing that obviously like hits me right away is I am less than the least of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was reading through the Message version. Oh, sure, um, yeah. And I just love what it says. It says Um, When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's ways, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. (laughs) God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And I just love that because that is just like, boom, you exactly know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, And I also love that it even says like the least qualified of any of the available Christians. I think that like hints at that, like God can call any Mm -hmm. of us to do exactly what Paul was doing, but like... He chose Paul yeah, and like fully equipped Paul in it. Um, but like, you know, knowing the background of Paul's life, like, yeah, if I think about what he was doing, I'd probably mm-hmm. be like, yeah, you're not, you're not the guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. like he, God called him and he equipped yeah. him and yeah. that's all that matters. Like the yeah. rest of the story of his past, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Wow. Like God has yeah. called him to something new. Haley, what a beautiful point. So how do you guys, how does that preach to us? Like, and, uh, and individuals at home church right now listening to us talk about this. How does that speak to us? Well, it just reminds me of even how Peter is a fisherman and he's sent to uh-huh. the Jews. Right. Like, it's the least mm-hmm. likely of mm-hmm. what you would expect. And right. I guess for me personally, that's an encouragement because I... I also feel mm-hmm. like the least sure. likely to sure. be chosen to spread the gospel, mm-hmm. but it's in our weaknesses that God truly gets to be 
strong and he's going to get the glory instead Mm -hmm. of us. So I think it's very typical of God to send us Mm -hmm. to where we would least expect. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I love that comparison because when you think about Paul and who he was, he was perfectly suited to share the gospel with the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was the Jew of Jews. Like yeah. he calls himself in, yeah, in exactly. another 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 letter, and he and and he kind of came from his background as a Pharisee, so he had a lot of credibility there, but he had no credibility in the Gentile world, right? Yeah. And you you mentioned Peter. Peter had no credibility in the world of the Jews, right? Because yeah. he sort of washed out of uh, of, right. of school at a young yeah, age and learned the family mm-hmm. trade. And yet he is um, being called to preach the gospel to the Jews. So there's this underlying principle that you're that you're pulling mm-hmm. out, Brooke, which I think is the right one, is that God is using the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound yes. the wise. Mm-hmm. And he's using ordinary people mm-hmm. in order to carry forward his kingdom. So there's more paradox in the kingdom of God the deeper we get into it, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of reminded too of um, a sermon that actually Billy gave yeah, um, to our youth sweet. kids. Come yeah, on. yeah, I'm bringing it up. <laughs> oh I won't God. talk about the over the hedge um, oh, impersonation, uh, but yeah. um, but he was talking about he was doing like the start of Ephesians with our crew, um, and he said, "Blessed is uh, blessed." us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Yeah. And Billy was like hinting at the kids of like, so what is that promise in there? Did it say you get like some heavenly <laughs> blessings? You, you get one, you get three. No, yeah. like it says every spiritual blessing. Um, and then that like applies to all of us. Like, because Andrew is our pastor, that doesn't disqualify me for being able to preach or like, yeah. mm-hmm. like, Come so that, that God gives us every spiritual blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, as a matter of like when he's going to bring that mm-hmm. out in us to use it. And so I think like, it's so neat that that's Paul's story too, mm-hmm. that he was gifted in every way and that God called him into this specific role. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. That's amazing. True. <laughs> so uh, yeah, on that note, like um, just to sort of bring that back around, I think for, for, for those of you who feel like, God might choose anyone else but mm-hmm. you yeah. to be a witness of the gospel. And again, all of this is in the context of the gospel going forward. That's the mm-hmm. whole reason the letter is being written. That's what Paul is all about. He's And he's in prison because of it, right? He's all about the gospel going forward, the kingdom of God taking hold in, in, his, in his lifetime and in the places where he's at. And so that's how we apply it here. It's like, um, is that this is a, in the context of the gospel going for people trusting in Jesus for the kingdom of God taking hold in Bend in Central Oregon, right? And uh, and so for anyone who might feel like they're the least qualified or the least one God would yeah. choose, actually, you know what? The way to really look at that is you have been uniquely called, and it might yeah. not be because you have like all kinds of credibility necessarily but you have been uniquely called to exactly your circle of influence so you're not supposed to like share the gospel with the people that i'm supposed to share the gospel with it's Mm -hmm. like you have a very unique like mission field that you have Mm -hmm. been sent to so we talk a lot about cross-cultural missions i know billy you're passionate about Mm cross-cultural missions and you you go on multiple mission trips per year and i so for that we're Mm -hmm. all about that um but but then sometimes we like well i'm sent I'm sent to, you know, Nicaragua or something like that. But no, wait, wait a second. We're sent to Bend. We're sent to Central Oregon. We're yeah. sent to yeah. the, our places of work. Um, and and I'm so grateful. Like, it's, I'm I'm not called to share the gospel with your coworkers. You're meant to share the gospel with your coworkers. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're meant to share the love of Jesus with your coworkers. And you're uniquely yeah. gifted and empowered mm-hmm. by God to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think even in, in particular, in this particular moment, when you and probably most of your coworkers are sitting at home mm-hmm. um, and not like in their normal rhythms or maybe more open to receiving something from you. Maybe it's like a letter in the mail that you send or maybe it's a, like a, a FaceTime message or a Marco Polo or a Zoom call or something where you're just encouraging mm-hmm. and just a voice of love and compassion in a really trying time. So anyways, um, maybe that's something you might give a go and try this week, mm-hmm. but you are called to your circle of influence. All right, verse 9. Let's keep things rolling. Uh, Haley, would you mind reading verses 9 and 10 for us? Sure. Um, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. 
His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's so great. Okay, so I'm seeing a lot of things there. First of all, we want to talk a little bit about the administration of this mystery, right? Which, again, is probably not normal words that we would use in our everyday vernacular. Um, But um, let's sort of unpack that a little bit together. What is he referring to there? Excuse me. I would say that verse six, if you look back up, he explains to us what that mystery is. And it says that this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. And if you remember in the last chapter, we just talked about how the Jews and the Gentiles are this building Mm -hmm. that are built on the cornerstone of Christ. So it's this mystery. Who would have thought that, you know, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, right? They would have been just kind of appalled to think that what Gentiles get to be a part of this and Paul saying, wow, we get to see what God's ultimate plan was that the Gentiles are a part. In fact, God wants all of us to be a part of this multi-ethnic family that God is building. And so he gets to be an administrator of revealing Mm -hmm. the fact that, that yes, you get to be a part of this. Right. Oh, man, I love that so much, Brooke. You're like three layers deep into the mystery that has been revealed. (laughs) And I so love that. So the very first thing that uh, Paul says back in chapter 1 and verse Mm -hmm. 9 was this this great, grand uh, mystery that's been revealed in Christ that one day, again, that we've been calling it God's endgame, all of heaven and earth is going to be united. And then what you're describing is that in chapters 2 and 3, God through Paul is talking about um, how the church is actually meant to be sort of the precursor to that, mm-hmm. um, that is, is almost like a prophetic foreshadowing yeah. about what's coming in the end. So the, like the evidence that the gospel is true and alive on the earth yeah. is that the people of Jesus are fully reconciled to one another. Mm-hmm. So the Jews-Gentiles language is, uh, is good and it's helpful, and we need to understand it because we Gentiles, uh, um, I don't think anyone here is Jewish. Is anyone here Jewish? Okay, okay, n- neither am I. <laughs> so um, so um, we need to understand this Jew-Gentile language because we have now been included in the promise of God. But in reality, I don't think there's a whole lot of like reconciliation needed at the present moment between Jews and Gentiles in the church, but there's other groups, right? There's other groups that really need to be reconciled. Like, for example, we're in election year, and mm-hmm. there's uh, you know there's all kinds of ta- subjects that are technically taboo because yeah. man, if we talked about our political views, then maybe somebody else's completely different political views would come to light, and then all of a sudden we have these divides. So you have divides over things like politics. You have divides over like sadly race. You got mm-hmm. divides over all kinds of theology. I think it kind of breaks God's heart, the fact that we've got so many splits yeah. in the church over all yeah. kinds of different things. So let's talk about this mm-hmm. sense of the, the mystery that has been made plain. In verse mm-hmm. 9, the scripture says that it's been made plain to everyone, this administration of this mystery, mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about, Brooke. How do we live into the mm-hmm. unity that Jesus says is ours in him? Um, I think, well, I know that this next chapter actually yeah. in Ephesians is going to talk all about that, uh-huh. that we, you know, we have one Lord and one God and one yes. spirit Come and on. that we are all one in Christ. Yeah. And then he's going to kind of explain how we actually live it out. Um, mm. but I think on a daily basis, <laughs> really, it comes down to loving mm-hmm. everyone. That's right. That's right. Like it really comes down to you. Right. I'm going to love others. Right. And in that, I am loving God mm-hmm. and he's getting the glory he yeah. deserves. Yeah. Like we have an opportunity right here, right now with mm-hmm. wha- all that we're going through mm-hmm. to really be his hands and feet and mm-hmm. to love every single person. Sure. So we need to look past whatever differences yeah. there are and That's focus right. on what is most important. And yeah. as Paul says, it's the gospel. Yeah. It's Jesus Christ. That yeah. is what is most important. Yeah, and there on. are so many people sure. that need Jesus. Sure. That's right. Yeah, there's something unifying that's happening even as I'm watching the news sort of unfold. Like definitely the coronavirus pandemic has been politicized, but in large part, 
Congress is getting along far better when it mm. comes to like the crisis yeah. than yeah. In, in in previous months. So there's something unifying about a moment of crisis. There's something unifying mm-hmm. about a common mission. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. kind of you kind of mentioned that, and and I think that's the point is that yeah, there are there are churches and there are people groups that are like all a part of God's family that I might actually like we might have passionate disagreement about like, Mm -hmm. for example, on the authority of scripture or what's true about things like sexuality or whatever. But at the end of the day, we are all set apart for the same mission and we're called to be a part of the same family. So I I totally love Mm -hmm. that observation. And so when you talk about loving everyone, it's just, it's a hundred percent the right answer. And I think the pastoral thing that I would want to insert in there on top is to say, it's actually the people that, our hardest for us to love is really the place that we need to start. Yep. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because culturally mm-hmm. we're so um, used to uh, like just like syncing up and linking up with people who are like us in almost every way. Yeah. Um, and so we have all these little subgroups in the family of God. And like, how's the unity in the church? Oh, it's great. Me and my 10 friends love each other great. And we <laughs> yeah. all like go snowboarding every, yeah. every Saturday yeah. morning and whatever. Um, and so what we really need is to like go mm-hmm. towards the people who we don't fully agree with. We know we ha- we don't have common ground with fully and, and actually endeavor and really love them really well, right? Mm-hmm. Am I on yeah. the right track? Totally, yes. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, when I, when I read, hear these verses and listening to the discussion, I just start thinking about um, some of the language in here where he talks about the manifold wisdom and even before in verse eight, the boundless riches, it's that drop of eternity that that gets spilled Mm -hmm. into your spirit Mm -hmm. that when you start analyzing or looking at relationships through the context of what does it mean to spend a billion years with that person? (laughs) You start, it starts to call into sharp contrast, like what's really important? What's really important is is the love of God mm. that connects us. Mm. Knowing in a billion years, I'm not sure if we'll remember who mm. was going to be the president in 2020. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if that will actually drive yeah. drive value at that point. And right. so it, it doesn't, it's not, and I say that not to sort of reduce some of the things that are going on in the world or that are that are present in our age, but it, it hopefully calls me to a perspective that says I don't need to always agree 100% with everyone that I'm supposed to love. Like agreement doesn't sort of, it's not the prerequisite that mm-hmm. we need in order mm-hmm. to sort of mobilize love mm-hmm. towards eternity. And right. when I look at the manifold wisdom, it's just this ever-growing uh, facet of mm-hmm. how God is beyond and infinite. Um, it gets me encouraged and excited that there's so much more to look forward to, and I want to keep that in mind when I'm irritated in this moment <laughs> and frustrated and like, why am I so annoyed? I'm not going to care about this in like 30 minutes, let alone 30 million years. It <laughs> just, so good, it's hard man. to comprehend, but that's what helps me sort of like, okay, Lord, what are yeah. you, what are you calling me to yeah. today? You're calling me to love, mm-hmm. love this person. And that can be hard and it can be incredibly messy, but that's what pays mm-hmm. off in 30 million years when mm-hmm. that person who's really hard to love is like, thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about those conversations, somebody, mm-hmm. I hope somebody comes to me one day and says, thank you for ignoring our different differences in, in coming to love me because I'm, I'm here because mm. I saw God in that love, wow. which, which would be an amazing, those would be amazing moments that I hope we all get to experience in eternity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I'm so glad that you've brought that up and way to bring that into the present for us and into the real, because that's essentially what Paul is doing in verse 10. He -hmm. says he's, he's making a statement of God's purpose. He said, all this is going on. This mystery has been revealed in you guys. You are this new humanity. And his intent, his purpose was that through Mm -hmm. the church, like we would be this this example of the manifold wisdom of God, and it's being made known. It's being like broadcast right. on full display yeah. to the to the whole world and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Right? Wow, right. that's incredible. Yeah. So um, this is like maybe a question that I don't love asking because I'm a little bit afraid of the answer. <laughs> um, but you, I think you guys maybe know where I'm going with this is that the church is intended to be this example of the manifold wisdom of God as evidenced by our unity. How is the church in the West doing with that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a little bit of a There's grenade. A whole bunch of bait on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I mean, to be honest, I, 
I, I'm not sure we look like the body of Christ mm-hmm. that Paul was hoping for, mm-hmm. especially when he talks about that in First Corinthians. Yeah. You know? um, that we really are called to work together and to labor together alongside each other. It should be a co-laboring. Mm. Um, when we need to be a community that points people to Jesus. But, but mm-hmm. I think that we have allowed division and disagreements to stop us from having the impact that we truly could and should yeah. be having. Totally, totally. Yeah. Any yeah. other thoughts on that? Yeah, I would... That was great. I mean, babe, that was wonderful to uh, <laughs> to say because I think hey, that's... Husbands, okay. I'm sorry to Hey, man, this, but is ha- that, this is real. Yeah, this is real life right now. Really good, this is really good. Actually, husbands, affirm your wives. Just that's like true. Really did. That you need to look right across the room and affirm your wife. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but it is. I, I think about what does it mean as humans. It's something in the workplace that we try to practice is be self-aware, be be emotionally intelligent, yeah. on, on, you know, of your own self. And as yes. I kind of grow those terminologies to the church, we we need to be a sure. church as mm-hmm. a, and I say collective church as yeah. like mm-hmm. the unified church. Looking back in ourselves and going, are are we? Are we self-aware? Are we intelligent right now about what's going on in our body? Have we have we gotten too distracted with how much coffee's present? Are, <laughs> are we missing something? And I think sometimes yes. it's easy for us, especially in the American West, yep. to really become individualized to sure. the consumer, sure. at, which maybe people are familiar with that concept of consumerized Christianity, where yeah. we're, we're withdrawing from church. We're yeah. coming to church to feed something yes. inside of ourselves, yes. where we, we need to look at the and our, mm-hmm. at the body, and it begins with a person. It begins with with me going. Am mm-hmm. I am I coming to the church here to Riverbend, and am I am I looking? Am I ignoring the person to my right mm-hmm. so I can get connected into worship? And I mm-hmm. think um, in doing so, I I end up following the way of the Pharisees mm-hmm. that have tried to strain out gnats, and I'm <laughs> I'm missing the board mm-hmm. in my face. I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to you know empower hand washing and ceremonial cleansing mm-hmm. and i'm missing some of these bigger things that god is is calling for in his people mm-hmm. um and so uh, sometimes i feel like we get it and sometimes we're like oh lord help us like yeah we just boarded the struggle bus it, yeah, yeah, we yeah, lost yeah. all our tires and then yeah. the haley's pointer like we have no gas and oil in the yeah, thing yeah, so like yeah, we're yeah, just yeah. broke down destitute like what's going on right now wow the metaphor just got extremely vivid <laughs> it did we're just gonna keep this one going it's well, true we'll it's so good though yeah, it, it was really it yeah. was really good yeah it, 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 like when you think about it nobody wants to be stranded on the side of the road in the middle of a journey yeah nothing frustrates people more than being yeah. at the airport with the plane delayed yeah <laughs> that's right it's, I don't know. It just it, it just works. Those, it does. It works. It, it works, works really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really um, I'm really actually hopeful, and that's why it took me about a day, or probably less than a day. Actually, now that I think about it, less than the day that when from when I learned that we weren't going to be gathering as normal, to where yeah. I I was at first I was a little bit freaked out, like oh what does this mean? And then within a couple of hours, thanks to the grace of God, I'm just like all of a sudden super excited about it because it's it's naturally sort of deconstructing a lot of the ways that we normally worship and we normally yep. gather, and it's helping us work out our ecclesiology or our theology of the church, yeah. and hopefully in a really more healthy way. And of course, we know from the book of Acts that the church met from house to house in Acts chapter 1. That was kind of the the modus operandi, and now we have made it, like you said, something to sort of consume, and I sort of experienced that in a little bit of a different way yeah. as a pastor, um, uh, but but this is, you're sitting in your home right now, maybe with your kids running around, maybe you're still in your pajamas and you're drinking out of your favorite coffee mug, um, and so we're not gathering in the typical way, but that doesn't mean that church is canceled. We're actually right. expressing church in all kinds of different and unique ways, which is why I challenged you at the beginning to be radically present. It doesn't mean that church is canceled. We're actually still expressing church just in uh, in radically different ways. Yeah. I think it's for our good that it's it happening. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so um, so continuing on in verse 11, so again, to sort of... Um, tie down where we've just been. God's purpose has been revealed through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
you guys gave some great exhortation for us um, to live as the church is meant to live today. And I think we sort of hinted at some of that, but it keeps going according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I love what's going on here in this passage about eternal purpose. You sort of Mm -hmm. already hinted at that, Billy, but what do you think that um, Paul is getting at here by using that phrase, eternal purpose? I think that um, just this manifold wisdom that's being Mm -hmm. made known, like we're seeing a bigger picture Mm -hmm. now of what unity looks like than they did in Mm -hmm. the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to see an even greater unity um, in eternity. So this is all kind of progressing us forward into what will be accomplished when Christ comes back and we reign with him in the new heaven and the new earth, and we, we get to have complete and total unity. Mm. Like Christ is just getting closer and closer and closer to us. Mm. Um, and that's exciting. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> exciting. Um, we were talking about this with my daughter who just turned eight just the other day because we have two daughters that passed away at birth. And so they're mm. with the Lord now. And so we've been sort of explaining to her how all of this sort of works in as best we can, but we understand that some of this is in the manifold wisdom of God that we don't yeah. fully understand yet. Yeah. Um, but um, and but we just started we just started talking about that. She goes, Well when when is Jesus coming? To, uh-huh. When is this happening? And we said, <laughs> yeah. Well sweetie, we hope any soon it could be any time. Yeah. And she goes, Well Let's pray. And, and, and so then like we're right like, now. yeah, let's pray. Yeah. And she just said, Jesus, when are you coming down? And will you please come down? Yeah. And it was just the sweetest so thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that sort of fixation on the eternal and on the like what God is doing um, at, at, at the end of time or at the mm-hmm. dawn of the next age, I think it's so critical. Of yeah. course, Paul talks about this in other places, like in Philippians chapter mm-hmm. 3, yeah. just having our, our hearts set on the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So to complete this thought, we sort of have to um, tee it up here in verse 11, but um, he says, uh, he, according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished, notice mm-hmm. that's in past tense, so right? Good. Yeah, yeah. so good. So it's like, hey, the work has been completed by right. Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And now we're in this sort of contested space in the in-between where the kingdom of darkness is mm-hmm. sort of losing its grip, but it's still here present with us. Right. So we still have pain and suffering mm-hmm. and COVID-19 and the rest. <laughs> but that there, but the but the victory has been won in Christ and he's returning yeah. soon, right? Which sort of helps frame the conversation. I think you're gonna see where I'm going with this, verse 12. In him and through him, or through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom confidence right so so talk to me about that in particular when we have the cross in view the fact that the victory has been won on the cross that which of course means that we have been forgiven of sin and accepted into the family of god and that our our eternal uh, sort of uh you know goal has been realized through jesus just a matter of time now then how does that influence how we approach god in the present I'd been thinking about this, and it just the imagery that came to my mind was how a young young toddler or a young child approaches the edge of a pool mm. while being coaxed in by a parent. Oh. And um, when he, when I started to examine that and really trying to understand, like, why is that coming to my brain? The amount of trust and faith that is required for that young toddler to create that jump into the person's um, arms. Like there's that faith moment that creates that trust because they wanna go towards something that's inviting and supposed to be for the benefit and the freedom and enjoyment. But then there's that second set of faith and trust that's like once you the toddler gets into the arms of the parent, what happens then? Does the parent just throw them into the deep end so they drown? Like, thanks for making the jump, but now you're gonna die. You just <laughs> jumped to your death. Like, yeah. I, I think that I see in this verse, like. It's a hope-filled verse that God is, he's doing that with us right now. Like he is coaxing us off Mm. the edge of the ledge and Mm -hmm. into the water Mm. with boundless encouragement and faith. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. And Mm. uh, there's something spectacular about the way that God 
calls his people to himself. Hmm. And we're re- regularly trying to run away from that. We've been distancing yeah. ourselves since the garden with sin. We've distanced ourselves in, in Moses and the Israelites and God is speaking. And we're always trying to create some other person hmm. to talk with us. So hmm. we come to Riverbend and I don't need to pray or study because I got Andrew. I mean, <laughs> and that's really good. Like, I don't want to, I mean, I it, so it, you we can start hmm. supplementing hmm. someone else for a position that God is is creating and coaxing us into. And I I want to approach God with freedom and confidence, to mm. be able to run into it and to not disqualify myself, but to go into that throne room going, like, this is my space because mm. of verse 11. It's right. been accomplished. Right, right, I don't right. have anything yet. There's no boxes right. to check when I get here. Right. I want to be able to enjoy the pool right. knowing mm. that God is calling me into it, right. which... It's really fun to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah, explore yeah. the depths of yeah, that, yeah. which is where he gets that in you know chapter four, where he talks about, or just a little bit later, to know the love of Messiah here in the second yeah. part of chapter three. Uh-huh. It's the the depth and the height, and there's mm. this 3D effect of mm. what God can do when we explore that pool. Mm. Wow, it's awesome. I love, like, I love that, like how, like once we're in the pool, like we can keep on swimming yeah. but, but also just like in this verse how it starts in in verse 12 like in him yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's it like yeah, right, right, you're yeah. kind of like okay and when you do this like but i think like what paul demonstrates in all of his letters is that like it's through jesus mm-hmm. not works like right. none of that yeah. it's mm-hmm. truly just in him mm-hmm. and when you just like sit in that simplicity of like it's just what Jesus did for me, and that's enough. Mm. I, I don't know. It just kind of like it just changes the way that you think of one how you operate. Mm. Of like, it really has nothing to do with me. Like, mm. it's in Him mm-hmm. that I am. Um, and that's then, good. I, I, I don't know. It just yeah, it's good. No, mm-hmm. I, I so love that you say that because all of that's sort of pulling us back to it's all like kind of hyperlinking us back to chapters one and two. Right. Yeah, where we have all of these statements about who we are in Him and the blessings that we have in Him, mm-hmm. and then it's through faith, not mm-hmm. by works, exactly yeah. as you said, that we are saved, and it's faith in Him that we may approach God. And just that thought, like I love. I love how you say, Billy, like um, like the throne room of God is sort of like our family room. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, because we are now in the family, so we can come to Him freedom and in confidence. Uh, use the analogy of the pool. My kids are almost too confident in the pool because <laughs> I'm in the pool yeah, with them. Right. And they're like, my my son is launching off the side uh-huh. and into the deep end, and yeah. my other daughter, my daughter is swimming over there. And I really have to stay on top of my game to keep both you of them afloat yeah. at the same time. Yeah. But the, of course, that's no issue for God. But the point <laughs> is that like kids who know that their father cares for them right. has a has like has like a lot of freedom and confidence. And um, and so I just I just I see that I see, and I so want that for our church. I so mm-hmm. want that for you who are listening to this that you would sense that you have actually freedom and confidence to approach God mm-hmm. and to enjoy the life that He's given you. But then also that you have this place you ha- you belong. The previous uh, sections I've talked about us having a a, a place and an inheritance and mm-hmm. in the family of God. So you really belong, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love how like. Paul in this in chapter three in these little verses we're looking at he kind of bookends it of like how he starts with being like I'm the least of these yeah but yet like yes. I can still approach God with freedom and confidence and mm-hmm. I think it's just a beautiful reminder to yeah. all of us that like nothing we can do can separate us from the love of God that like I'm the least of these but shoot I can still approach the throne of confidence because yeah. my Jesus did it all come right. on yeah. yeah I love that so much and 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 I think you're right there's like these layers of Almost irony in mm-hmm. in all of it. There's this juxtaposition between the fact that we are humble servants of God, and yet at the same time, He makes us His His children that are being honored and exalted. So, um, not surprisingly, we blew through our time, and we're sort of <laughs> reaching the end of the time together. Um, but I, but speak to uh, someone who might be listening, who feels like maybe far, and that God isn't mm-hmm. approachable. And that they aren't sensing, like, okay, good, I got the Bible stuff. I'm like, starting, it's starting to click with me, but I'm not really sure that I'm experiencing freedom and confidence to come towards Him. So, what would you say to that person? I would um, say Jesus' words Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like, yeah. He will never leave or forsake. Mm. Um, and so, I think it goes back to 
the faith in this verse that in him and through faith, okay, well, what is faith? Well, it means that I, I believe that his word is true. Mm. It says that in him, I can approach God. Mm. So I have to agree sure. that that is a true statement. And then sure. as Billy kind of combined that faith idea with trust, mm. it's then leaning into who God says he is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust him at his word. And that means that he is right there with you mm. here and now. Mm-hmm. And you can hear his voice. Mm -hmm. He speaks mm -hmm. and you can listen mm. and he is directing you. Mm. You are not ever alone. Mm. So be encouraged. Mm. Wow. That's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And just to close, we're going to have a time where we respond through prayer and then also by taking the bread and the cup. And that really is a moment for you to do exactly what Brooke is saying to, uh, to anchor your trust and your hope in the Lord um, and really believe the words that are being spoken. And so that truth is being spoken over you. We're praying for you. Um, and the last thing that I would say to you is sometimes there's like an attachment to um, someone who's not God. And so we can have our hope and our trust in things that aren't Him. And sometimes that's ourselves. Sometimes that's another person. Sometimes that's another ideology or religion. Um, and sometimes that's a barrier or something that keeps us from experiencing more of God. So I just want to invite you to consider and to pray um, just in this time. If there's anything that might be holding you back from approaching God with confidence and freedom. Um, and the good news is, is that all of that just completely goes away when you name it and you anchor your hope and your trust in Jesus. Um, and so for some of you, this might be a moment where you are like coming back to Jesus um, after an extended time away. Um, so let's do this. Let's just pray, and then we'll move into our time of response. First of all, thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. This has oh, been thank a lot you. of fun. Yeah, Appreciate you being here. Amazing. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you said we can call you Father. You said you can, uh, that we can come towards you in faith and confidence with freedom. So God, the things that have kept us from that are, are like, we don't need to hold on to them any longer. So I just pray for anyone who might feel like a distance between you and them, that they would just feel the courage and the, and the strength right now to, to let go of the other things that they might be sort of attaching themselves to and come towards you with full faith, full confidence, full trust. Just believe the truth that has been spoken here, this truth that's been spoken over them. I pray for moms, dads, children, singles, whomever it is, God, that is feeling a distance between them and you. God, I pray that they would just know your undying love for them. And so, God, as we respond by coming to the bread and the cup, just pray that this would be a, a, a celebratory and yet somber moment where we hold these things in tension. We say, God, thank you for making a great sacrifice for us. We need you to make that sacrifice for us. And we just thank you so much for the life that it brings. So we love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.